Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing 26th of October 2020. All right, let's start with feed wheat. It's been a fabulous period of time for farmers, for prices of grain. It's gone up and up, and there's been lots of people fighting over it with not that much volume trading. The consumers have still got tonnage to buy, and until the UK gets itself sorted out with having enough feed grains bought to balance the books, this market is going to remain steady. I do think, and we sent a message out on our app this week to say tops and bottoms are for fools. And I think that we've come to a place where the price is a level at which farmers should be trading it. I mean, spot feed wheat is in the region of 184x farm, depending on how desperate the merchant is or how short they are to cover the sales they've got. And they can't get anyone to come forward without paying up. I don't think it's going to go much more than that this side of Christmas, unless we get some fresh bullish news. So I think we're kind of there, unless you're going to run it right the way to the end of the year and see how it goes which is a perfectly good tactic because you've got lots of leeway on the downside. I don't think it's going to rush downwards. So you've got time on your side. But, you know, let's be serious about where these prices really are. And the increase in price from 140 up to 185, 84 is more increased percentage-wise than the loss of yield in lots of people's cases. So you're no longer worse off. Your three tonnes at 185, 184 is making more money than your four tonnes at 140. So let's remember that. So spot price 184, and I don't see much of a carry in the market. You probably would get something like, I don't know, 86 for May. In between now and then, it's the same price pretty well all the way through, far as we can see. Next week, the tenders come out, so there will be some tonnage available for people who are short. Uh, That could take a little bit of a shine off prices as people get relaxed. And the consumer is going to focus on getting himself sorted out for Christmas so he can have a nice turkey dinner on his own uh, in isolation as we all get locked down. So, as I've said, I think that the underlying issue of importing grain, I mean, certainly in the Black Sea area, there was a period where, I mean, a lot of you farmers, would. this is a bit of a fantasy, but it's hardly a good moral way to trade. Over there, if you sell grain pre-harvest and the price goes up, they simply walk away from the contract and sell it to someone for more money at the time, which is great, but it isn't really conducive to a long-term trading relationship and it didn't do the guys buying the grain a lot of good because they had to chase around to fill their boats buying fresh tonnage to replace it so that market itself got whipped into a bit of a frenzy and that corn increase in price has been part of what the price of wheat or why wheat has come up as high as it is so that's enough about wheat on old crop feed barley 140x for november that's a great price it's good news for people with borderline contracts of malting barley they're trying to get a premium here and there it kind of feed barley's caught up at the bottom so That is really good news. If you've got borderline stuff, don't bother messing around. Get it out on a feed barley boat. Yes, it's a massive discount a week, but that's a good price. We've come up a long way. We're an exporting nation of barley. We're an importing nation of wheat. That's why the prices are so far apart. 
And as far as Malting Valley is concerned, that's kind of gone on the back foot with all this talk of lockdown and the pubs closing again. The maltsters and the brewers are, are obviously very nervous and they're in trouble again. And it's not great news. This is not, you know, it's not a moment to celebrate. This is a moment to be really worried because it's a major product that we grow and uh, we wish to trade. And if that industry gets smashed to pieces, it isn't going to do the price of grain any good. So the guys with the borderline stuff, yep, sell it as feed. That kind of underwrites what you're doing, so it's okay, but perhaps some of those premiums will start eroding as well. Oilseed rape, we're carrying on with the old crop theme. 348 is scratching and crawling its way to the 350 we've talked about so often. Hold the line, I think it will get there. When it gets there, it's up to you to ignore the target price and wait for another quid or whatever, but um, it's, yeah, it's up there. These are good prices, premium on top. It isn't going to do you badly. Moving on to new crop, There's been a weather window, there's been a lot of planting, the land's dried out a lot. Yes, lots of drills have got stuck, yes, there have been lots of horror stories, but there has been a lot of grain going into the ground and spuds coming out and sugar beet and so on. So people are snatching at the opportunity to plant. It is going to increase the volume of tonnes and there was more tonnes put in early this year on the basis of last year's experience. And I guess in the future we'll all be remembering these two years and getting out there planting early forevermore. It's kind of, you know, there's lots of reasons why you should be considering selling it. It's above the levels we thought it was going to start getting sold into with a big crop expected from the UK. Obviously, that crop has been wound down a bit, but we don't know how many acres are missing yet. And underlyingly, the world seems to be in a bullish mood. So we're holding the line still with that. My only key nerves about that one is obviously what Brexit does to us. And as we still don't know what the hell it all means, we're kind of sitting there saying, all right, we'll wait and we won't sell it yet. And as long as the world keeps going up, then that's probably a very good tactic. So with that, I guess if you haven't got yourself sorted on your feed wheat and old crop or your malting barley that was kind of only getting bid 145 anyway, time to move, get yourself done for Christmas. Yes, get those fields sorted out, make the plan. You know, I'm sure you're going to get on well. And uh, yeah, have a good week and let's hope that rain stays away long enough for us to get it all done. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. And now it's time for Farm Chat. This week's podcast is shorter than normal, as what we had planned has kind of gone out the window due to the death this week of my father. Richard George Dewing, born in 1931, Died on Wednesday, which was uh, the 21st of October, which is Trafalgar Day, when all good Norfolk heroes pass away. I'm going to indulge myself because it's my podcast and I kind of, you know, want the opportunity to kind of explain perhaps the values and the things that he gave me and the way I've tried to live my life and the underlying beliefs that he gave us of what we should and shouldn't do, what's right and what's wrong is I believe what underlines doing grain and the reason why doing grain exists and has succeeded. So if you'll bear with me, I've got just a few words to say. 89 years is a good innings, and no two ways about it. He always used to say, three score years and ten, and I'll be gone. Well, he he nearly got four score years and ten. And in reality, all of the previous generations of doing had popped their clogs either in their 40s or their early 50s. So he did very, very well to last that much longer. My dad was a was a farmer, he was a teacher, he was a lay preacher, and he was a father of five. I uh, I am the middle child, so if you want to study middle child syndrome, you'll understand the psyche of me. He lived a life fully immersed in local life, 
uh, and the community, especially involving the church. He delivered a good sermon, which is probably where I get it from, and I would certainly love to get the opportunity to stand on the soapbox and point a few fingers about hell and damnation and the sins of a number of you. But um, he actually did it for real and had an unbelievably strong faith in God. I think the important thing that I want to say is the kind of underlying lessons that he gave us, which is based in, in obviously the Christian faith. But the most important things were his God was God. Money was definitely not his God. And greed and other such things that go along with it, he absolutely had no time for. And when you look at the world that way around, he's absolutely right. Money isn't that important. It's important that you make a profit. It's important that you pay your bills. But beyond that, if you spend your time thriving after just money, you will not succeed and you will not accumulate money. It's not the prime thing of success. Success is being reasonable, being alive, appreciating what you're doing. And it's funny, the things you get to live off kind of fall in your lap if you do all those things properly. He also was very, very certain about turning the other cheek. Now, I've struggled with that one here and there, and I've had the odd moment where perhaps the cheek hasn't been turned. You know, if anyone's played sport and there is a a kind of a one-to-one battle going on, you have a choice of getting slapped around a lot and never dishing it back. It's not really the way to play the game. You have to stand up at those moments. But literally is one thing in a game of sport. In real life, when someone loses it or gets really aggressive... The trick probably is not to lose it yourself, to keep as calm as you possibly can and allow them maybe to go too far and then pick them up or, you know, just turning the other cheek is the toughest of all of them and I haven't succeeded all the time with that one, but mostly I'd like to think I have and I'm sure some of you have witnessed that in my time in the grain trade. But the most important thing that he kind of, the little messages that come through all the time, especially with all of the church services we had to attend, but... All of the time in your life is never to cheat, whether you're playing Monopoly with your brothers and sisters or whether you're actually playing in a game of uh, football or you're running a race or you're doing something. If there's a nick on the bat when you're playing cricket and you know you're out, walk. Don't ever cheat because you know, inside you, you know that you've cheated. If you got that, then you're never going to win. It isn't a win. You might have fooled a few other people You know, Diego Maradona punched the ball in with his hands and, yep, they went on and they got to the World Cup final and won it. That makes him a winner. No, not in my dad's book and not in my book. So that, if you understand the psyche and the amount of times that it was shown up, even when someone in a a football game we played in once where the goalkeeper took our centre forward out, cheated, the ref didn't send him off and we went on to lose the game and it really was the pivotal moment. And he felt the injustice of it, but he said, you know, yeah, these things happen in life, take it on the chin, off you go again. I remember being really angry, and he said, what, what good is that doing you? What, what, why, if you're angry, there, there is an injustice, but you've done the right thing, you've played the right game, you've run the straight race, and that's the way it should be, and you will feel okay about this years later. And he's right, I do. So that underlyingly applies to every single thing that you do, and within our industry... The temptation to be a bit dodgy, to do something wrong, is sometimes great. And if you can just step away from that and say that that isn't winning, that isn't the right thing to do, then in the end, people do spot that. People do gain your trust, you gain their trust, and you end up with a much stronger, healthier customer relationship. Because when you do do something that isn't quite right, people spot it and people talk about it. So it is 
ultimately the best commercial lesson that he could have given me, even though he was not a commercial-minded man. As I said, money was not his god. So thank you for listening to my personal tribute to the man who's given me the values that I think has given me the opportunity to succeed in this industry. I am extremely privileged and proud to be his son. And the line that he's given me to judge what is fair and what is right will be the one that I continue to use and I will pass on to the rest of the people at my business. He is the line by which I will judge what is fair and what is right. And I think without that, doing grain would not have succeeded. And I believe that we will continue to stick with those values. And so his legacy that he gave to me, I believe, will live on in the business that we do. And in my heart, I'm, as I say, the proudest son of a great Norfolk man. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.